Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast series, Past, Present, Future. This is Graham Vard speaking, the founder of Billion. Just wanted to introduce this week's guest. Um, we're lucky enough to have uh, Eugenio Perrier speaking with us. Eugenio is actually someone I've worked with on a number of occasions in my career. He is one of the leading CMOs working within the food, marketing, and branding industry in North America. I actually first met Eugenio when he was Global Chief Marketing Officer, CMO, at Sabra Dippin' Company, which is one of the biggest brands in the United States. I did this when I was living and working in New York with my former employer, Future Brand. Eugenio is currently a marketing and business development mentor and advisor working with some very, very cool, exciting startup brands on their kind of business journeys, still based in New York. Incidentally, last year, our paths crossed again. Billion had the pleasure of embarking on a new venture that Eugenio was involved in, which um, our role was to create the brand strategy and design of a new-to-world tahini brand for the North American market called Julia's. So in this episode that you're about to hear, Amy from Billion spoke with Eugenio to talk a little bit about his past, his journey thus far, and probably most importantly, his views on what the key considerations and challenges are going to be for the future of food and drinks marketing. So this is a real insight, folks, and I really hope you enjoy what I think is a fantastic episode. Hi, Eugenia. It's great to have you here today and to pick your brain a little bit. Let's just kick off the podcast by having you introduce yourself. So my name is uh, Eugenio Perrier. I am from uh, Italy and uh, I live in uh, Greenwich, Connecticut, which is close to New York. Uh, I work in uh, the food and beverage industry. I've been working in this industry for more than 26 years. So I started my career, uh, obviously, a long time ago. And uh, um, it didn't really happen because it was something that I was dreaming when I was a kid. Uh, but it happened because as I was growing uh, as a teenager, I had this uh, um, aspiration and ambition to work uh, in the world of uh, advertising and in the world of branding. There were some brands that uh, were inspiring me at that time. So I was dreaming that maybe one day I was uh, the one that was able to create a, a great campaign. Uh, the reality was that uh, that wasn't really my talent to create campaign and to be on the creative side but I thought that working in marketing was something that would bring me close enough to that kind of world and and so I started uh, um, actually with one of the company that I regarded as the most inspiring at that time I had I was lucky enough to be hired as a young marketeer uh, by an Italian company called Barilla, which was uh, in those years really growing fast and was uh, seen as uh, a great advertiser and a great brand and a great uh, uh, marketing school overall. Uh, I started with them in the bakery uh, division uh, where they own an iconic Italian brand. I mean, it's iconic for Italian people uh, called Monino Bianco which really uh, spans across all the different bakery categories in Italy, and it's uh, a staple in every Italian family. And then uh, with the company, I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to exploit my career internationally and to work in uh, the Nordics, so the Scandinavian. I've been living in Sweden for three years, where I was the global head of marketing for a local brand called Vasa, still part of the Barilla brand. And then uh, after that, I had the chance to take ownership and the responsibility of the entire Molino Bianco brand for Italy. And then uh, finally, uh, in 2010, I moved to the U.S. where I became the head of marketing for Americas. 
for Barilla before uh, ending up in, ba- in Sabra, uh, where I took the responsibility of global chief marketing officer in 2015 until September 2018. And I'm sure working internationally brought with it a whole new set of challenges to your job. How do you think relocating influenced your career path? I mean, I think the opportunity to work internationally has been one of the most interesting parts of my career. Uh, and, uh, you know, moving from Italy to Sweden first, then back to Italy and then to America has uh, definitely define a lot of uh, the type of uh, uh, manager that uh, I am today. And uh, this really taught me that uh, uh, not only the way to market to people change and the way to uh, do your work, functional work change, but uh, also in terms of how you manage yourself within the organization changes because you really need to be able to adjust to the different culture. And the reality is you can't expect the culture to adjust to you. It's you that need to adjust to the different cultures. So that was uh, that is a challenge in itself. But I think if you approach this challenge with the right uh, mindset, which is a mindset of uh, humility and flexibility and uh, curiosity for what you're going to discover, uh, actually, you will learn a lot and uh, you will grow yourself as a professional and uh, as a person, as an individual. So uh, I, I really consider myself to be very lucky to have had this opportunity to work in many different places and to learn from many different people. Uh, So I think that, yes, it's been a challenge, but it's also been a great reward at the same time. It's a great way to approach challenge with positive attitude and the knowledge that you're growing as you meet these struggles, as well as encountering changes internationally. You've also been witness to the industry changing and advancing over time. What was food marketing like when you first began compared to the present day? I mean, it was a very different industry when I started and the way we were doing marketing, of course, was largely shaped by the tools that we had available at that time, uh, which obviously are very different from what we can do today. I mean, uh, we didn't have the variety in the toolkit, the variety of tools that we have today with, uh, you know, the generation and with the increase of the digital uh, of the digital application and the digital tools. It was much simpler in a way. I think today we are in a situation where we have the advantage to really be able to work on a almost personal basis with uh, our prospect consumers. And I think that also what changes, even though the fundamentals of the marketing job remain the same. I mean, you need to understand and you really need to learn who your customer are in order to be able to understand what they need, where they are and how you can satisfy their needs. Uh, today, however, we have a level of uh, complexity and the wealth of uh, information and data that uh, really give us a chance to work on a more personalized way. We didn't have any of these uh, back then. And so when we were crafting messages, when we were crafting campaign, it was basically a message for the entire group. And the sophistication we had in profiling our consumer target wasn't uh, quite the same that we can have today. So in a way, it was simpler, I would say, uh, but in another way, it was more complex because or more difficult because we didn't have all the opportunities and all the tools that we had today. So we needed to be creative in a different way. And do you find that the needs and wants of the consumers, specifically in the industry, has changed or are their core values the same? You just have a more intimate knowledge of their values. 
No, I mean, I think uh, uh, that is the, the two things I, I think goes uh, hand in hand. So um, the, the evolution of the consumer demand uh, happens uh, in parallel with the evolution of uh, uh, the landscape around. And uh, obviously, not only consumers uh, back then, uh, I mean, not only was uh, a little simpler the way we were approaching consumer back then, but it was also that the consumer themselves, they didn't have the same level of information and access to a um, diversity of information that they have today. So I would say today consumers are definitely more informed than they were uh, when I started this job, which changes the way you have to approach to them because you have to keep in mind that you are dealing with people that are more competent than they were. And that uh, obviously means that you really need to be deeper and more uh, prepared in order to be able to deal with, uh, with these type of consumers. At the same time, I think we also seen, especially in the food industry, a lot of change happening in, uh, you know, in the way that the culture is evolving, and also in, uh, in the interpretation of the same word. I mean, one uh, reflection that uh, I make uh, often is that uh, we tend to talk about a lot about food uh, moving toward a healthier food and the consumer trying to choose healthier options. Uh, it wasn't very different uh, 25 years ago, frankly speaking, and uh, we were having similar conversation 25 years ago. What was different, though, was that uh, what was considered healthier back then, it's uh, not the same that is considered healthier today. And some of the ingredients that were um, accepted as a health ingredient uh, 25 years ago, maybe today we know are not uh, as healthy as they used to be. So uh, there is a constant evolution and there is a constant progress in uh, improving uh, knowledge in improving competence and also in improving the product themselves and also in uh, increasing the demand and increasing the level of expectation from the consumer side. So I think there is a, a natural tension for progress that is happening, a natural tension where people and uh, everyone, I mean, even ourselves as consumers, we want to have it all. I mean, we want to have something that is really tastier really satisfying, but we also want to have something that makes us feel good, that we are taking good care of our body. So I think these kind of expectations have been increasingly growing and will continue this way over time, I believe. So it seems through your career history, you've had a preference for health food companies or products that have positive health aspects. Was that an intentional decision? Uh, I always wanted to work with brands that I could feel proud about, uh, something that I could feel good that uh, I was uh, doing something that was going to have a positive impact in the life of people and uh, and working on co with companies and on brands that uh, uh, could relate as far as uh, their values are concerned and my values are concerned. So. It's a little bit of uh, a conscious de decision, uh, even though I wouldn't qualify those brands that I've been uh, working with as just healthy brands. I think are mostly mainstream brands, uh, but are mainstream brands that uh, try to do the right things, mainstream brands that try to provide people with uh, good food options and for food options that are uh, satisfying, that are rewarding, but uh, at the same time are also that make you feel 
good make you feel that you're making the right choices and you don't want to be in a position where people has a regret when they are using your product you want them just to have this peace of mind that whatever you're offering to them is something that they can eat in a light-hearted way so they they can be satisfied and they can feel it's it's good for their nutrition as well and I'm sure it adds to job satisfaction when you know you're creating positive aspects in people's lives. So in your professional opinion, what are the main qualities a good food brand should have? I think, you know, food has to be good. Food needs to taste good. And when we are uh, um, thinking and uh, looking forward to how can we help people to improve their uh, diets, how can help people to eat healthier and better over time, we always need to ask ourselves also, how are we going to make these people uh, like the product that we are offering? Because, I mean, food is a very instant instinctual uh, behavior. It's something that uh, obviously we do choosing, uh, rationally choosing what we want to eat, but at the same time, uh, the taste and the experience of the product plays an incredibly important role in making sure that we stick to that positive behavior. So uh, we only go back to it what we really like. We only go back to it to something that gives us the satisfaction and the pleasure uh, that uh, our taste buds uh, send to our brain. So um, Anytime we are working with a product or with a food product, we have to think about the uh, functional and nutritional features and characteristics of this product. But at the same time, we have to work with the uh, organolectic characteristic of this product. And it's only when we are able to uh, merge the two and to make these two products that uh, are really satisfying that people are going to crave for the product and also feel they are doing something right for you. So these uh, uh, actually I think are uh, the things that real successful brands are doing today and even some of the novelty brands that we see around us in the industry and those that are succeeding are succeeding because they are really able to make uh, these two things happen at the same time. Uh, And that's I think is really the key moving forward. Continue to strive to give people great nutrition with a great food experience at the same time. It's not true that you have to sacrifice your your taste to feel that you're eating good and you're eating something that is uh, good for you. You have extensive experience with bringing new food brands or already established food brands to new markets. What are the biggest challenges for food brands introducing themselves to today's market? Yeah, great question. And I think one of the biggest challenges, uh, I think, today is that sometimes as marketeers, when we think about a new brand that that we want to bring to the market, we tend to be very much focused on what the brand is and what the product is and what are the qualities of uh, that product. And I think we should probably spend more time um, thinking and uh, working in terms of understanding what kind of needs the consumer have and what kind 
kind of uh, desire we have to satisfy. Sometimes these uh, elements get a little forgotten. Uh, and I think those are essential because if we don't understand uh, who are we trying to serve, which kind of life they are trying to live, uh, which kind of occasions are they trying to satisfy, it's really uh, hard to be able to design a product and a brand and a proposition that is meeting their needs. I think we are living in a society that is not lacking uh, a wealth of offering. We are actually living in a society in, in a world where there is probably an excess of offering, which sometimes can be overwhelming for consumers. So I think the job of a great marketeer is really not the one to create something that is not needed, but it's uh, to create something that address a need that is not satisfied yet or that is not properly satisfied yet and find a better way to satisfy that need. So give people something that they need not something that you want to give to them. So it's really about focusing on the consumer and the needs in their lives. Absolutely. So looking towards the future, there's certain pressing issues facing the food industry, packaging and sustainability being at the forefront. What advancements and innovations do you think the industry will make in the future to combat this? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you touch upon uh, one of the most pressing issues there, which is the packaging sustainability. And I think uh, as an industry, um, I mean, most of the industry have been uh, doing uh, a huge uh, use of plastic and uh, single-use plastic as uh, the standard of packaging. And I mean, for obvious reasons, plastic is uh, a great uh, material to maintain the freshness of the product is a great material to move the product around and uh, it's, it's something that is uh, really easy to make, uh, easy to handle and uh, and cheap. Uh, however, consumer expectations are changing today. I think we are all realizing that we can't continue in that direction and uh, we need to, to work uh, and to think in a different way. So we really need to reconsider probably the way we go to market and, uh, and I think uh, probably the way we are considering and we are shopping food products or consumer good product today is very different from how we are going to do this shopping in 10, 15 years from uh, from now. And uh, I tend to see the future as something that goes a little backward uh, rather than uh, creating something that is new. I mean, it seems to me that the direction is a little bit to go back to uh, those kind of uh, services that we had when, uh, you know, the we were receiving the milk bottle in front of our house door and uh, and so we were receiving the bottle with the milk we were using the milk and then we were giving the bottle back when it was empty and i think there are um, initiatives that are happening in this field which basically it's about uh, recycling and uh, creating this circular uh, sort of a circular economy where everything is used and reused and it's not about single use anymore but it's about something that uh, like a packaging that continue to be used over time uh, and that makes everything more sustainable so where the impact of the packaging is lower this uh, obviously uh, will happen in a very different way from how it happened in the past is going to be enabled by technology is going to become much easier to do this uh, ordering from your desktop or from your mobile phone or for your uh, uh, voice assisted device whatever is going to be the way you're going to shop in the future which i think is going to be shaped uh, 
the most by this kind of new technologies uh, and then it will uh, really be delivered to your place uh, through these distribution hubs that will happen so when this infrastructure will be ready I think also the way that uh, food will be delivered to us will change and that will have an incredible impact on the way we consume our product which also means it uh, it is an opportunity for brands and industry to really rethink the entire supply chain and also to rethink uh, the design of the product that they are going to bring to the people because um, you know that may also mean that uh, we will go to the extreme of freshness and to the extreme of personalization uh, I think those will be things that will be unlocked by this uh, different system I, I, I again I, I think that is the direction I don't know how long it's going to take I don't know if I'm going to still be around when all of this is going to happen but to me that is where the industry is going to go I'd known with the rise of e-commerce physical stores are kept alive by the need to try on clothing or view the product but then I suppose with food a lot of the time you know what you're getting so it reduces that need and, and keep in mind, technology, I mean, we are just scratching the surface of what technology can uh, help us doing today. Uh, and it's uh, even hard today to imagine what the impact of technology will be in the future. Uh, we are, I think, hardly uh, understanding what is what is going to be the impact of the technologies like augmented reality or virtual reality, which uh, will uh, give us a chance uh, maybe to uh, have have those kind of experience that we are having in store uh, in a different setting, which could also be our living room. Uh, I mean, it's hard to say today, but uh, I think we will... Uh, we are becoming every day more versed and more familiar with the technology as part of our life. And I think uh, it's inevitable that this is going to influence also the way we are going to shop. And uh, I don't think it's efficient to have uh, trucks of product to be shipped to big supermarkets where everyone needs to go there and bring those things to home when there might be a more efficient way uh, to do all of these. And more efficient means... Um, less uh, uh, use of resources, less use of time, uh, better experiences overall, more personalization. So I think there are going to be a lot of benefits. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Past, Present, Future is produced by Billion Studio, a creative agency providing brand design, strategy, content design, and experience design in the heart of Dublin.